Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's great to have you here with us today. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host of this program. Locked On Blue Devils is your one-stop shop for all things Duke Athletics. Thank you very much for making us your first listen each and every day. Today is Wednesday, December 15th. And coming up a little bit later tonight, the Duke women's basketball team has a big-time game taking on the number one team in the country, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Chris Edwards, the radio play-by-play voice for Duke women's basketball, joins us on the show today. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Without further ado, let's take one quick break, and then when we come back, we have Chris Edwards joining us here on Locked On Blue Devils. College football bowl season is here, and Prize Picks is the best thing that you've got to check out now. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy, a leader in college sports daily fantasy, offering more college football and basketball props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major conference players you might not have ever heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you could think of. In basketball, you could play points, rebounds, assists, three-pointers, and more. Be sure to use promo code Locked On, and you'll receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. This is it. It's the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Chaos is happening. Is this how you want to be running your business? Poor visibility because you're relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash locked on NCAA. Welcome back into the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson and thrilled to be joined once again by Chris Edwards, the play-by-play voice of Duke women's basketball and Duke baseball. Kind enough to be back here with us. The women's basketball team continues to heat up and we've got a variety of other topics in the Duke athletics world to touch on here today. Chris, thank you for the time. How you doing, man? JJ, good to be with you. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. Hope your holiday season is off to a good start. Uh, I feel like 
this is like record setting territory for me again. <laughs> like we're continuing to add to my number of appearances on the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. Which I'm so grateful that you always take the time to do that. You are a big friend of mine and uh, have enjoyed listening to you on the call. Thank for you. The basketball games. And so I say, you know what? I need Chris Edwards back. He brings us the ratings and uh, we've got to get him <laughs> back on the show. So uh, I'm glad that you're here today. All right. So we talk a little bit about women's basketball. This is the first time I'm getting to talk to you this season mm-hmm. that Duke is a top 25 team in the country. How did we Crazy. get here? Uh, we, we won a lot of games, JJ. <laughs> I think that, that's the simple answer, right? And not I, lost any. Does that help? That's a, yeah, that helps. <laughs> uh, winning is, if you win more than you lose, I think you're probably doing okay. Good things happen. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, really fun team to watch, though. I mean, I, and, I, and I think that this is a team that, that's still going to go through some ebbs and flows as the season moves along you know, as good as anybody else. Basketball is a, is a marathon, right? It's not a sprint. You're not going to try to sprint to the finish line in, in November. You don't want to be peaking and playing your best basketball in November and into December. Now has Duke played really well? Yeah. Uh, and Kara's talked about this. This is a group that has learned some lessons through winning and she likes the resiliency of this group. She likes the toughness, the way they fight. They, they've gone long stretches. And I think she would admit this. They, they've gone long stretches this year well, they just haven't played very well. I mean, you have empty possessions offensively. In my estimation, and I'm not a basketball savant by any stretch of the imagination, I think they've looked a little bit better defensively than they have on the offensive end, but they're finding ways to get it done offensively. It's seemingly it's a new player every single night. Been really impressed by uh, so many different players this year. I mean, you, you look at the last three or four games and what Cheyenne Day-Wilson has done as a rookie point guard for the Blue Devils. She was ACC Freshman of the Week a couple of weeks ago, National Freshman of the Week coming out of the pin game a week or so ago. She can shoot it from anywhere, uh, from Toronto, just a really fun player to watch. I think the emergence of Elizabeth Balagoon, I think we talked about her last time I was on. The fact that she can play a variety of different positions, Elizabeth is really a, a one through four. She can stretch the floor, she can create some matchup issues, she can hit a perimeter jumper, she can also go in there, mix it up in the paint and block some shots. Obviously, you've got Lexi Gordon and Celeste Taylor. Vanessa DeJesus is doing a great job running the point. I mean, we haven't even mentioned players like Jade Williams, who have been really good in the post. And Maya Finkley-Weedy has really come on and played well over the last three or four games for the Blue Devils. So it's just somebody different every single night. And it's not just somebody – it's not just Lexi Gordon or just Celeste Taylor hitting three-pointers because they did that earlier in the season. Now maybe teams are starting to account for that more, so it's somebody else. It's been a lot more, a lot of fun to watch. I, I don't know that this is a complete total team yet. Uh, I don't know that you want it to be a complete team yet because we're, we haven't even got into conference play yet. Now we will later this week when we go to Miami and then another couple games before the holiday break. Um, so I think this is a team that's going to learn some lessons. Look, I, I don't expect Duke to finish the regular season undefeated. I don't think anybody does. Uh, that uh, I don't even think you're going to see – Teams anywhere. I mean, South Carolina is undefeated. They're the number one team in the country. I don't expect them to finish the season undefeated. I mean, you just, you just don't do it anymore because there's just so much parity across women's college basketball. That being said, if we go 10, 11, 12, 14 and 0, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the more you win, the better it is, right? I mean, and then at some point winning becomes contagious and you just expect to win. And maybe that's what this group is starting to do. But uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch and excited to see where this team goes uh, coming up in the next uh, couple of months. We mentioned our previous conversation that we had. That was after the third game of the season. So we now have five more games mm-hmm. worth of data to talk about the Duke women's basketball team. South Carolina, funny enough, the team that we'll preview as Duke gets set to host the number one team in the country a little bit later tonight. They're fresh off of a top 10 win over the weekend 
against Maryland. You look at this Duke team, though, and uh, being in the top 25 now, a lot of people had the Blue Devils sort of come on their radar when they had a top 10 one of their own earlier this season in the Big Ten ACC Challenge versus Iowa. Was that the win for you, Chris, that you started to piece things together, that this team was better than some might have thought? Or was it an earlier win in sort of the last game? Was it Alabama back in the Maggie Dixon Classic? Like, what are some of those wins that made you go, okay, this team's got it? Yeah, there are a couple. Um, I, I think the Alabama win, the way they won the Alabama game. Now, I, I don't think Alabama's going to go out and finish top four or five in the SEC. Right. That's a, deep, that's a deep league. It's a power five league. It was a win over a power five opponent, which at that point, Duke had not faced another power five school to that juncture in the season. So the way they won that game, having to come from – six, seven down midway through the fourth quarter to be able to win the game. That was impressive to me that they showed some fight and some resiliency, even though they didn't play all that well. Um, and to date, the three-point victory, their closest game that they played. Yeah. Oh, but you look at the Appalachian State game that they played, too. I mean, they were down 10 points in the first half, had to really scrap to win that game. They scored 33 points in the third quarter of that game. And look, Kara was not happy with the way that team played uh, <laughs> that night. After the, It was almost like you lost the game. Even though they won the game, it's almost like they lost the game or felt that way. But the way they were able to re- be resilient again, come back and win that game, that sort of checked another box for me. He said, okay, they can at least – play their way back into a game. If the first half is not going well, they can play their way back into the game. But you thought about you thought to yourself, you know, you got Iowa coming up, top 10 team. You can't do that against Iowa. And then the way that they won the game against Iowa, I mean, it, that was a game that really was never close. I think Iowa led like four to nothing or six to two, something like that. And then Duke went on a spurt. I remember Jade Williams had a three-point play somewhere early to mid first quarter. That really changed the spark. Duke had a couple buzzer beaters at the end of the first and second quarter. They had an eight-point lead at halftime. And then never really looked back. I think Iowa got to within nine or ten at some point in the third, fourth quarter. But it never really felt like the game was in jeopardy, right? Um, So, yeah, I think the Iowa game is the one that opened a lot of people's eyes. I sort of started to see it build before that. But I think the Iowa game was almost like the stamp of approval for everybody from a national perspective that Duke was back. Um, interested to see the South Carolina game tonight. I think that's going to answer a lot more questions for both teams, really. I mean, this is a really good South Carolina team. I think it's a good test for Duke, and it's an attention getter coming out of the exams, right? I mean, I think that's a good thing for the Blue Devils. They've had this week to prepare almost coming out of the exams. Now, granted, we all know how rigorous the academic standards are at Duke, right? Right. And and the players certainly had to take care of their academic duties before they focused on basketball. But they were still getting together as a team and going through practices and working on themselves. And you assume working on South Carolina as well. Uh, so I think this is a good time to catch South Carolina off that top 10 win. They've got Stanford, another top 10 team, coming to Colonial Life Arena the following week. Look, Don Staley's not going to let this be a, a trap game for South Carolina by any stretch of the imagination. But it's a good game for the Blue Devils, too. A number one team in the country. Then you get to turn around and open conference play on the road at Miami. So there, there's a lot of little pieces, just little parts that go into all this. But to answer your question, I saw a building. I think the Iowa win was the one for everybody where they're like, yeah, this team is probably going to be a little bit better than eighth in the ACC. I always thought they were going to be better than eighth in the ACC. I voted them in the top five or six in the conference preseason. That was my thought uh, because you knew there was going to be some really good teams, NC State, Louisville, Felt like Georgia Tech was going to be a good team. And obviously the Yellow Jackets are. They beat UConn last week. Granted, UConn down a couple players, but still it's a win over Connecticut and it still means something. So I think the Blue Devils are probably in that top 
four to six range in the conference. If, if we're looking at it right now at the end of December. Chris Edwards joining us here on Locked On Blue Devils today. The women's basketball team set to take on the number one team in the country, South Carolina, a little bit later tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern tip-off. All right, so talking about this team, they've got a win versus Troy going into the game versus Iowa. And we highlighted some of the players the last time you were on. A player we didn't spend as much time on was Shea Day Wilson in that conversation. And out of that Troy game, Eight for ten from the three-point line. I thought she was playing a video game almost and kind of adjusted the sliders to make it easier <laughs> to knock down all those shots, uh, seeing that. And then follows it up on the big stage in a game like the ACC Big Ten Challenge with 19 really important points. And uh, I know Coach Carol Lawson was praising her in the post-game press conference. Tell me a little bit about Shea Day Wilson and the improved play that people have seen. So much fun to watch, JJ, right? I mean, like we talked about earlier, ACC freshman of the week coming out of that game against – that week against Troy and then against um, Iowa. And the eight three-pointers against Troy, that tied the school record with Mila Goodchild, who did it a couple of years ago. And then Rebecca Greenwell, who was my former broadcast partner uh-huh. a few years ago. Rebecca hit eight threes in a game against Pepperdine on a Sunday afternoon. I remember that one pretty well. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it just kind of out of nowhere, too. And, like, she comes down the court. And she's open as soon as she crosses half court, it feels like right now. And, and you're thinking to yourself, because you, you know she's open and she, she's got a propensity to take these shots. And she's open, you're thinking, no, no, no. And it goes in, you're thinking, yeah, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, good, good, good on you. Um, but rookie player, just kind of a, a really athletic guard. I think she's going to be really good in this system for a long time. She's okay to score, obviously. She can facilitate. She's still learning. I mean, look, she she's a freshman like Vanessa DeJesus. Duke is reliant on two freshman point guards. And you can say, well, Vanessa played last year. She did. Played four games. Played one ACC game. We're seeing a step up in competition already this year, JJ. Excuse me for these freshman point guards. So I, I, I'm curious to see their growth and development. But right now, Shy looks like the real deal. Um, she had some great experience with the Canadian national team this past summer. Uh, went over overseas, I believe it was hungry, and got a chance to play there. It really got some valuable experience. And I think that international experience for these players, like Cheyenne Day Wilson, like Mila Goodchild, like Elizabeth Balogun. Balogun was in the Olympics in Tokyo with Nigeria. I think that's invaluable for a college basketball player. And you're seeing a wealth of that uh, experience from an international perspective start to trickle into college basketball as a whole. And that's just going to help the players, going to help the game, going to help grow the popularity of the game too. And, and let's be honest, I think from a popularity standpoint, women's basketball is probably at its peak that, it, that it's ever been. And I'm yeah. excited to see the trajectory continue to rise for women's basketball. It's a really good brand. It's a really fun game to watch. And I hope people sit down and watch these games because this is a really exciting Duke team. And if you can get to Cameron and check them out, you need to because – they're so much fun to watch. I feel like I may have asked you this before, or maybe I'm just kind of talking, thinking about conversations I've had with other women's college basketball broadcasters over the last few years. But if you enjoyed the transition to the four quarters of play yes. as opposed to two halves, I yes, think that I that for, has also kind of helped with the branding of the sport and the marketing. It's easier to kind of get locked in. Sometimes in a game in, in women's college basketball, which I'll – People are going to point to the talent level or difference between a men's game and a women's game. If you're kind of sitting there for 20 minutes, not seeing as many adjustments in the game as opposed to these 10 minute frames to kind of see things shift and that sort of thing. I personally think it's been better. What about you? Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. And, and look, we, we are a, as a society, 
I think we are, are very like, okay, let's just boom, boom, boom. Let, let's move on to something else. We don't have attention spans. We, yeah. we do not have very long attention spans as a society. So I think if you can break it up and you say, okay, we're going to play four 10 minute quarters. Well, it just doesn't feel as long for people. They're okay. Coming for the investment now of an hour and a half. Basically you look at a men's game, you're looking at, at two, two and a half hours, maybe. I mean, that two and a half hours is an extreme for, for a men's college basketball game. Most women's games, you're in and out of the game in an hour and a half to two hours. I think people are, are happy to commit an hour and a half or, or two hours to come to a basketball game to see really quality basketball. I think what also helps is the fact that the fouls reset at the end of each quarter. So you, you're starting over. It's not becoming a free throw contest or early in the second quarter. Right. I think that helps. What I would like to see, I'd like to see them maybe start to add uh, the one-on-one and a double bonus at some point. If you get to that point, I I think that would change the game a little bit. I think if you get to three fouls, that becomes a one-on-one, five fouls, and a quarter becomes a double bonus. That's just me. I'm glad they've expanded the three-point line back. That's helped the game a little bit, too. It added a little more excitement. Look, there's no secret that the men and women have been shooting from the same three-point line forever, even when (laughs) – the line was a little further up for the women the last couple of years. They were still shooting from the men's line. Right. They have that range. You know, let them keep shooting. Like, there, there needs to be a, a few more things, I think, that become a little more equitable. I was watching the uh, Louisville-Kentucky game on Sunday, and Debbie Antonelli, I thought, made a good point. There's no flop rule in the women's game. I think there needs to be a flop rule there. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think that the four quarters have been great. It, it gives you a little momentum. It gives you something to point to. Um the one thing that I think people have the hardest time figuring out, and I'm not sure why, are the media timeouts. Uh, I talk to people. They're like, I don't understand when you go to break. Uh, it's the first dead ball under five minutes or the first called timeout of a quarter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard for people. Yeah. But, but, yeah, but yeah, I do. I do think that the, the change to the four quarters has really helped. It's really helped grow the game, too. Uh, and that's something that I hope will stay. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you think about it. Men's college basketball is the only basketball that does not play a quarter system. Yeah. Why, I mean, that's the truth. And, and why has it been that way? No one, it's just, I don't, I don't know. Because it's always been that way. And that's yeah. the answer you're always I mean, given. You play, you play, court, you play quarters in middle school, high school. You play two halves in college, two 20 minute halves. Then you get to the NBA. It's four quarters still. Internationally, right. it's still a quarter system. At least it was a couple of right. years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that change is coming at some point. I, I don't know when. It might be five years, 10 years from now. But, but yeah, I think that. Yeah. that A quick break in our conversation with Chris Edwards, the radio play-by-play voice of the Duke women's basketball team, as I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is amazing. We're getting to the holiday season, and you've got to get Built Bar, the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. There are so many flavors to choose from, raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, just to name a few. Built Bar gives you all the extra fuel that you need as we get ready for this holiday season. People are just so passionate about their favorite flavor, you can be too if you try out Built Bar. Tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings as we get closer to the holiday season. Here's an idea. Dip your Built Bar in a piping hot cup of cocoa. It's that awesome. Offer, go to Built.com and use your promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, built.com, 15% off your order when you use promo code LOCKED15. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back at Better Than Ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website 
to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your sports. Bet online where the game starts. You mentioned Louisville, Kentucky. You mentioned NC State a little bit earlier. You're just great at these segues, Chris, which I'm grateful <laughs> for. Again, Chris Edwards is the play-by-play voice of Duke women's basketball. Duke has a big game tonight. Number one, South Carolina from inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. Make sure you're listening to Blue Devil Basketball on the TuneIn app. We'll have Chris give us a little promo for it later as we continue this conversation. Duke and North Carolina right now, the only two schools in the conference with, that are unblemished, undefeated, on the season. Tell me a little bit more about the ACC though. What have you thought about women's basketball so far in the ACC? I, I think, and this is, this is not a slight on the men. It's not a slight on any other league. I think this is probably the deepest the ACC has been on the women's side. And since maybe my first or second year doing women's college basketball for Duke, I, I think the women's side is a little deeper than the men's side this year. Um, I think, again, not a slight on the men's side. I think the ACC is really good on the men's side, too. But I think that, that where it's a little deeper on the women, uh, you've got Louisville, who's obviously really good. North Carolina State, really, really good as well. I mean, they've returned everybody. They've got so many cooks in that kitchen. I don't know yeah. how Westmore is going to keep everybody happy uh, on that team because, man, they, they're talented. We mentioned Louisville really good. I, I told you earlier, Georgia Tech, I thought, was going to be really good this season. That continues to kind of be the case. North Carolina is kind of the team I, I really haven't been able to figure out yet. I mean, yeah, they're undefeated. Um, the, the net rankings came out a, a week or two ago. I don't know if you saw this, but the net had North Carolina as like number two in the net. Now, now granted, it, it's early. I, I think it's a little early to be releasing these net rankings. Right. You don't have a, a, a large sample size to pull from. Certainly the, the Tar Heels are talented under Courtney Banghart, their head coach. Uh, they beat TCU at the Magnuson Classic. I think that's going to end up being a pretty good win for them. They've got a couple of wins. They beat VCU in the Bahamas. They're picked to win the or picked to finish second in the A10. Dayton picked to win the A10. Duke beat them. I, I think that North Carolina is going to be there at the end. I'm just not sure that we've seen the Tar Heels be battle tested yet this year. Um, curious about Virginia Tech. I think they could be really good as well. Elizabeth Kitley is bad. Kenny Brooks does a nice job there. They're going to factor in. Florida State's got Sue Simrall back. She took last year off to be with her mother, who was battling some health issues. Florida State's always kind of in the mix. Those are the teams, to me, that sort of stand out right now. Take nothing away from Boston College. I don't think they've been super uh, battle-tested yet, but they're always a really tough test under head coach Joanne Barnaby McNamee. Uh, I think Miami's going to take maybe a half-step back this year. Certainly feels like maybe Clemson's not as good as they were a couple years ago. There's been some uh, off-the-court activities at Syracuse uh, that's been very well documented by a lot of great media outlets. You can go look that up and see what they've dealt with. Um, I, I, good, good on them. They beat Ohio State the other night, who was top 20 nationally in the right. ACC Big Ten Challenge. Curious about Syracuse. I don't think they're going to be maybe at the upper level. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think it's a deep league. And, and obviously you can look and you can see the standings and the parity. And we've already had a couple of conference games. I mean, shoot, we didn't mention Notre Dame. Yeah. And Notre Dame, they're, they're going to be there. You know they are. I mean, you look at some of these powerhouses, and you're like, yeah, okay, they're, they're going to be in there. Wake Forest, we didn't talk about Wake Forest. Wake went to the NCAA tournament last year. It's like the second time ever they've gone to the NCAA tournament. Now, they lost a lot, 
but they've been playing pretty well this season. I still think JJ, honestly, if you want to look at the league as a whole, it's still a little early. Um, when we have another conversation, maybe sometime next month, I think we'll get a better read on, on kind of where the ACC is going and where it's shaping up. Yeah. But, but I, I do think that right now, if you had to say, pin me down and say, hey, how many teams are going to make the NCAA tournament? I could say eight. I think I'm comfortable with saying there's eight teams from the conference that would make the NCAA tournament. And we'll have some more games worth of data the next time we talk, yeah, as you're mentioning, sure. to give us a better idea. It's it's interesting, though, kind of seeing how the schedule has laid out. We mentioned women's college basketball, the scheduling that they're able to do to get you all these marquee games, to see a school like South Carolina just playing a non-conference game in Durham versus Duke a little bit later tonight. They've got UConn on their schedule twice this year, play Stanford later in the week. I mean, they're just – this the sport is so good at scheduling those non-conference games. What that means – is that we haven't seen very many ACC games yet this season. Only yeah. five schools have played conference games, whereas on the men's side of things, here we are again, one of the second or third Wednesdays in December, and Duke is the only team in the conference to have not played an ACC game on the men's side of things. They're a little bit later getting into conference competition. Yeah, and it's not like Duke's not going to play a bunch of conference games, right? And I know on the women's side, we haven't played one yet, but we'll play Miami on Sunday and Coral Gables. And then you've got the holiday break after the game against Charleston Southern that sandwiched in there. Excuse me. So after the, the holiday break, you'll be on the road at Virginia Tech, another early kind of conference litmus test, you know, against a really good team on the road. Then you have the New Year New Year's Day break. I think Duke men play on New Year's Day against Notre Dame. And then the women are right back at it on the second against Notre Dame as well. So you're going to learn a lot about the Blue Devils from an ACC standpoint, I think, in the first couple of weeks of the ACC schedule. I mean, let me look at my handy-dandy schedule here. I mean, you look – I mean, your first, two of your first – yeah, two of your first four ACC games are on the road. You're at Virginia Tech, then Notre Dame at home, then Georgia Tech at home. We talked about their win over UConn. Then you go to Syracuse. And then, oh, by the way, you get Virginia Tech and NC State in the middle of January. I mean, it's just – it's really challenging. I mean, it really is. There, there's not an off game in this league anymore. The, the, the talent level and the coaches and the level of coaching, it, it's too good. The, the ACC is just too good. I, I would put the ACC up against any conference nationally that it's the best conference in the country. Chris Edwards is joining us here today on Locked on Blue Devils. He is the play-by-play announcer for women's basketball and baseball, and he's always a good friend of the program. Every time he comes on the show, I want to get people set for Duke and South Carolina a little bit later tonight. But before we get out of here, the other big topic right now in the Duke athletics world, it's been great to see the men's basketball team with a busy week. They've got three games uh, that they've been going through in a five-day stretch after not playing for two full weeks. But Duke football with a new head coach and Mike Elko coming over from Texas A&M. Chris Edwards is as big of a fan of David Cutcliffe, and rightfully so, as you'll find out there. Cutcliffe, again, spending 14 years as the Duke head football coach, and you've certainly shared on this program what he meant to the, the Duke athletics world and the ACC in general. But turning a new page, Chris, how exciting is it that we now know who the next head football coach is for Duke? And as we're talking here on December 15th, it is early signing period, a busy day for Coach Elko yeah. already right out of the gates as a couple of Duke commits will hold on and, and sign and start their football careers with the Blue Devils. Yeah, really excited to have Mike and his staff join the Duke family. I think it's a home run hire again by Nina King. Nina just knocks it out of the park, everything that she does. I mean, she's <laughs> such a great ambassador and such a, a great athletic director. And the university made 
the perfect hire with, with Nina becoming our AD. She's meant so much to Duke athletics for so long and just continues that great lineage of Kevin White and all that, that Dr. White did for college athletics as a whole. Um, really excited, though, about Mike Elko and his brand of football. It's a defensive-minded guy, as I'm sure you've talked about. Had a really solid defense at Texas A&M, and we know how good the offenses are in the SEC. Yeah. We, we know that A&M beat Alabama earlier this year. So I, I'm really excited to see what he does in Durham and, and the staff that he puts together. I think everyone is really excited about Duke football. I'll take nothing away from what Coach Cutcliffe did for 14 years when he was in Durham. I, I think – the the outpouring of love for David Cutcliffe on social media a couple of weeks ago tells you how well thought of he is, how well respected he is, not just at Duke, but across college athletics and college football as a whole. Um, but this is this is certainly going to be fun to see the Blue Devils in the next few years under Coach Elko and whatever he's able to do and, and the recruits and the style of football that he's going to play. It certainly appears to me it's going to be a different style or brand yeah. of football. Nothing wrong with that. I'm excited to see what it's going to become. And uh, looking forward to seeing the Blue Devils on the gridiron in the fall. It's going to be amazing turning the new leaf and seeing what Duke football looks like yeah. as we head into 2022. And again, you mentioned his success not only at Wake Forest with Dave Clawson, yeah. but recently in the SEC, the win over Alabama, who, by the way, over the weekend – learned that their quarterback, Bryce Young, won the Heisman Trophy. So you're able to kind of uh, give a Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback some fits. It's pretty good when you've got that to uh, your credit. All right, before we get out of here, Duke at South Carolina tonight, women's basketball side of things, what's going to be important for both teams in this game? And then finally, where can folks listen to it? Uh, score more points than the other team. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I think for Duke, you got to find a way to control Aaliyah Boston. Uh, Boston is – probably going to be the player of the year again this year. She was one of the Lisa Leslie award winner the last two years. She's so dynamic in the post. She can stretch the floor. Really good player. I'm watching South Carolina, though, from a depth standpoint, Destiny Henderson, who's been their starting point guard, their leading three-point shooter, shooting 50% from three-point range. She missed the last two games with undisclosed injury. South Carolina is still trying to wade their way through the point guard situation. Lily Grissett, a Durham native, went to Hillside. She missed all of – the postseason run last year and every game up into the Maryland game with a leg injury. She came back uh, against Maryland and played nine, 10 minutes. I think that's a big step for South Carolina, but Duke's going to have to figure out a way to hit some shots from the outside. South Carolina is really good defensively. They're going to have to find a way to control Leah Boston and the Gamecocks have three players that are averaging over one and a half blocks per game. So they've got some size inside. Duke's got to find a way to combat that. I think the post players for the Blue Devils are going to be really important in this game. Duke likes to run some of their offense through the post players where they just read and react. That's going to be important again against South Carolina. I expect it to be one of those grinded out defensive battle kind of things. Now, the key for the Blue Devils, if you're looking for maybe a stat, well, every game Duke has won under Carroll Lawson, they've scored 70 points or more. The only time that they didn't score 70 points was against Louisville last year, the game that they lost uh, in the last game that they played. But they've scored 70 points or more in every other game against Carroll. I think they're 11-0 uh, under Lawson when they scored 70 points or more. Duke's one of the best in terms of scoring averages teams in the country. They're averaging up over 80 points per game. I think that's going to be really interesting to see the contrast of styles in, in the game tonight. And if the Blue Devils can notch this victory over South Carolina, what does that do for the trajectory of the season? What does it do for the momentum? I mean, there's the sky's the limit, I think, then. It, then people really start to pay attention to, okay, wow, maybe the Blue Devils are for real. Uh, but you can't get ahead of yourself. you got to take it one play at a time. You know you're going to 
and being for a battle, you know, you're probably going to fall behind at some point. You're not going to lead this game for all 40 minutes. You got to embrace the fight, embrace the grind. Duke's been really good at that this year. So looking forward to uh, the broadcast tonight. And if folks would like to tune in, we'd love to have them on the Blue Devil Sports Network. If you're in Durham or in the Triangle, we're on locally 6.20 a.m. You can download the Varsity Network app. It's a free download. Just search for Duke Women's Basketball. We're also on the internet at goduke.com and would love to have you. Pre-game coverage at 6.45. And the tip-off is a little after 7 o'clock from Cameron tonight. I'm a big fan of that Duke Blue Devils app. Pull it up and it's the great right there. And then all of a sudden I hear Chris Edwards' voice and I know that I'm in the right place. I know good things are happening when that happens. Unfortunately, you're stuck with me. <laughs> I love it. Chris, it's always a pleasure to have you on this program. Thank you so much again and uh, really grateful that you took time to chat with me. JJ, always a pleasure. Happy holidays to you and everybody out there listening. Uh, thanks for having me on so much and uh, look forward to chatting with you in the new year. That's Chris Edwards joining us here today on Locked on Blue Devils. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much again to Chris Edwards, the radio play-by-play voice of Duke Women's Basketball, for joining us today. Fun conversation with him, and really fun to see what this Duke basketball team is going to do moving forward. Best of luck to the girls' team as they get ready to take on number one South Carolina a little bit later tonight. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson, and be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you will get the latest episode of Locked on Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.